this is the explanation we tend to give at ServiceNow. ABM is fishing with a spear and marketing at scale is basically, you know, casting a net, fishing with the net where you collect everything. So with ABM, what you're able to do, and if it's a strategic account, a large account, what we tend to do when it comes to ABM is to understand the customer's point of view. What are the pain points that they are trying to solve? We believe that to solve the biggest, most complex marketing problems, you have to blur the lines between intuition and reason, imagination and logic, the theoretical and the practical. Join us as we reimagine problem solving with leading B2B marketers on B2B Marketing Solved. We're your hosts, Richard and Benedict. So Rich, who have we got on the uh, podcast today? Yes, today I'm very excited. We've got Komal Tadani joining us, currently at ServiceNow, but previously held roles within IBM and Oracle. But what's actually really interesting about your background is you've worked in many different regions. Komal, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. I'm Komal and I lead the campaigns team at ServiceNow for the EMEA region. Um, you know, Rich, like you mentioned, I've had experience in different markets in APJ. I started off my career, interestingly, in agencies before moving to the tech world, Accenture, IBM, Oracle, based out of India, Malaysia, Singapore, then Southeast Asia roles, Asia Pacific and Japan, and now here within the EMEA region. Great. It's quite a global footprint. <laughs> <laughs> it, re it really is. So obviously, hopefully we can get into that today. But the problem that we are discussing today is, well, it's quite a large one, I imagine, certainly over the last number of years, but it's around tech stacks not being fully utilized potentially by the marketing community today. And what we're keen to learn is your experience using tech stacks, but also understanding why marketers might not be able to utilize them. And maybe we're in tech stack overkill, if you like. So I suppose the question to kick us off, what does your role look like at ServiceNow overall? What are you responsible so for? Basically, uh, my team and I were responsible for developing the go-to-market strategy for the respective solutions that we go to market with. Developing campaigns at scale, you know, with and then working with global from a messaging standpoint, et cetera, to make it relevant, locally relevant for the region. And then working with the field marketing teams in countries to implement some of those, those programs with an intent to drive pipeline, uh, support the business with progression of the pipeline and ultimately revenue for the business, as well as, you know, post-purchase. How do you support? So typically marketing tends to stop at, you know, once pipeline is generated, that's what it is. But we're gonna, we want to say what happens once the, the deal is closed? How do we support the post-purchase part of it? So that is also another aspect of, uh, you know, one of the, the goals that we're starting to work towards. And, and just to, given we're going to be talking about tech stack, I think it's probably prudent to ask, like, where you are at the moment, or maybe actually when you first came into the role, what was the tech stack that you had in place? And I suppose, interestingly, how have you looked to sort of evolve that? So a lot of the tech stack that we've had in place, it's, it's typically from, from a global perspective, yeah. but I guess it's how do you utilize it to make it work for your region and your market. And one of the things that I've seen, and this is across all organization, not unique to uh, ServiceNow really, is the fact that from a tech stack, one of the key things that we want to look at is ensuring we're driving quality leads for yep. the business. Having said that, you know, one of the challenges that we had when I was back in APJ was uh, we were in the process of implementing lead scoring. So the leads didn't have a score. And here you have a massive volume of leads. And how do you get the business development team to prioritize on that? Now, and if you've you know heard some of the things which Forrester, uh, Suraya's decisions, uh, and that they've been bought over by Forrester, 
they talk about selling to a buying center. Mm-hmm. Buying center is a collective number of people who are part of that buying process. So you've got to sell to multiple people within a particular buying center or a function. So, so to enable us to help, you know, the, the business development team to prioritize on that, one of the things that, you know, we looked at back in APJ was how do we look at those leads which are coming in at a contact, at an account level, and then say how many of those accounts have multiple touch points through multiple contacts, and then support the business development team to say, hey, prioritize this. So we and we we did this for a for a new logo campaign that you know I led and uh, ran back in uh, APJ and it won a uh, program of the year award through Forrester because we were able to drive some of these synergies, look at you know the leads at an account level and drive uh, the relevant metrics. I, mean, I think that's really really interesting. I think I've not used the word business center before, but certainly in the work that we do, one of the things that we are very active in trying to persuade clients of is that don't just think about it as a single decision maker. Understand that within that decision making process, there's a number of different players involved. Some will be there purely from an influence perspective. Some will be sort of shaping the actual problem itself, and some will be holding the budget. But it's never one person. Absolutely. From your perspective, how much of a mindset shift do you think it's been for a marketer to think in terms of a buyer center rather than a buyer singular? I think this this motion has started, I think, about four or five years back when Soraya's decisions introduced this or, mm-hmm. or maybe longer. I know, at least from my, I mean, we've been looking at it, you know, in my career, we've been looking at it. It's been about five, six years since we've started looking at it. Is it widely known? Probably not, because if I look at the marketing stack, it's still very leads contact level rather yeah. than an, at an account level. So it has been around. And I think marketers are evolving. The more they read, the more they look at different sources of information. The way we go to market changes. As another example, initially, it was thought that the buying journey or the buyer's journey is linear. Yes. You know, you go from awareness to discovery to consideration. That's really not the case. I mean, it's just completely all over the place. You've got to keep serving the buyer relevant content. And typically, again, this is some data from Suraj's decisions where they've said, I think you've got to, depending on how big the organization is, a buyer would probably consume 16 to 20 pieces of content before they want to talk to a sales guy. Yes. Right. So, and it's at different phases of the journey. You know, they may consume a customer story right now, but then tomorrow it could be another uh, white paper and then they come back for a customer story. So it's, it's a really... It's just all over the place. It's completely zigzag rather than a linear line. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's chaotic. I've seen yeah. this sort of the latest sort of versions of, of, of what that is. And of course, with a uh, decision, they had that famous stat, and I think it's a little bit outdated and maybe questioned, but that in modern day B2B purchasing, the buyer is actually around 70% of the way through the buyer journey before they even speak to a salesperson. So in sort of acknowledgement that the buyer journey is not linear, you've got a number of different players involved within that. How sort of adequate or fit for purpose, actually is a better word, do you think that sort of the sort of the current sort of MarTech stacks that are being used are given that it's not that linear journey? Do you, do you feel there is a little bit of a gap in terms of the reality of how marketing should be working and what we've got the technology to provision for? So I think the technology is there in the sense that today, at a, again, at going back at a contact level, you can see what are the different assets that the buyer has uh, consumed, right? They do tell you that this particular buyer has had XYZ interaction 
or you know visited your website uh, consumed this particular webinar consumed this content attended this event person is able to see that at a contact level one of the interesting things that i haven't seen till date is going back to that account level i would love to see at an account level saying okay this particular you know you've got a uh, you're assuming you're selling to the because today in b2b it's not and especially in a tech organization we're not only selling to the it buyers we're selling to the line, lines of businesses what i haven't seen yet evolved is looking at the you know looking at these accounts at a buying center level mm-hmm. so if i'm selling to a particular function or to a particular lob what all leads are against that particular buying center or that particular lob so we know okay this you know uh, there's a high propensity to buy this solution yes we do have propensity to buy tools we do say okay we can sell this particular product to this particular account but when that correlates back to marketing uh, i haven't really seen that uh, in marketing yet we actually spoke about this a couple of weeks ago right and uh, when we had this chat i was kind of thinking to myself right well actually that could be a piece of proprietary tech that you could go away and develop but it's it's a really interesting one because we so often certainly from a sales perspective think about things as you know leads rather than that account view but if you can get a an understanding of your proliferation across an account that would then presumably in turn inform where marketing should also turn their attentions right yes so typically that is there i mean there are models again a lot of organizations in all my previous we there, there are tools and stuff that's developed talking about propensity to buy a particular solution at an account level so i do know if there are these 100 accounts these are the two solutions or three solutions they're likely to buy from the company and then based on that we, we tailor the program now the when i when you flip it aside to, from the marketing side the reality is again do i really the i i guess it it really depends on the the stack the stack doesn't really show that end to end correlation of from a sales perspective it showed this this propensity to buy from a marketing you've actually generated leads for that particular solution and the deal has closed for that right that end to end thread is really not there there are typically disparate systems you know and everybody is working in 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 a bit of their own silos and this has been across organizations and so do you think that the the fundamental problem is the lack of integration interoperability rather between systems or do you think this is more a sort of structural business issue where the departments aren't speaking to one another and we're not having that sort of joined up I thinking i think it's both yeah it's definitely both you know a lot of tools uh, and technologies get developed in silo as an example sales will will go and say hey i want this particular solution it gets implemented for them marketing will say i want this particular solution it gets implemented for them but somebody needs to at an organization level somebody needs to connect mm. the different data sources which is always a, and it's a struggle across multiple you know even in consumer organization everybody keeps going and buying their own solutions but the the interlock is not there that's interesting so who do you think should be the owner of that so typically i would think it would be the it because yep. they are the ones uh, at the end of the day influencing the solution decisions they are the one at the end of the day managing that background that data and the data maths etc that you know you would you would sell to them so they should be the ones stitching the threads together to say okay yeah. let's let's bring about this synergy but potentially lack that sort of strategic understanding of the role of sales and, and, and marketing and and it's mm. evolving as well right i mean that's why today you've got 
in in a lot of companies you've got these digital transformation officers you know these new roles coming up um to be to be able to bring all these multiple things together to say okay let's take a bank as an example there are multiple roles like a digital transformation officer because they want to sell to their customers digitally which is not only marketing but it's also sales and that's where they bring everything together so some of these newer roles are coming up and we're going to see a lot more of that as we go along and obviously when we're on this subject and it, this is actually quite interesting because a few years ago it might have even been serious decisions that talked about the death of IT having the spending power right and the 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 power shifting towards marketing making the tech decisions fueling businesses it's still so lines of businesses still make those decisions for their you know for their business units but they do involve IT does play a, a huge influential role there big influence on in that because you would need IT to implement that at the end of the day marketing is not going to implement that solution you would need the support of IT to implement that you need somebody to implement it and some of the technical aspects evaluation etc it's done both by the lob you know the marketing function as well as tech but IT does is still around and you you cannot forget that organization at all we more we talking i think the more it it really does support what your suggestion was you know a couple of minutes ago which is the role of having someone who's digital transformation officer and realizing when we're talking around martech it's not just about a tool and in fact actually it's probably one of the biggest um, misnomers when you talk about martech as a tool martech is actually part of a wider digital transformation and as so- the sooner there is that sort of paradigm shift in people's minds i think the better because ultimately what you're trying to do is you're trying to create create greater efficiencies you're trying to and more importantly generate data mm. yes that is the key thing and that's what martech should all be about it's generating data for for marketing itself for for sales and that really needs to be understood and i think uh, you know one of one of the questions that you had was what are the misconceptions about um, the martech stack i think two that you know that top of mind for me one is that the martech stack is not going to solve everything right the the, mm. the misnomer that you implement a martech stack and you're going to have phenomenal leads that's really not the case it's an evolution and it's also a partnership between marketing and sales for those pieces to work together so that's one the second thing is the belief that cold calling is dead that's not true what martech the martech stack aids in cold calling it it enables a business development person who's you know making those calls and following up on those leads to understand that buyer's persona to understand what are some of the things that the person is interested in and instead of calling and saying hey you've downloaded this asset to say hey i you're interested in this topic on ai powered service operations are you facing these 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 challenges so really switching the conversation around rather than saying you've downloaded this white mm-hmm. paper are you interested in buying my solution so it's an aid for cold calling which will still happen and it's not going to go away at all it just makes that you know that that reps job much more easier when they're having that conversation but i mean playing devil's advocate here does it because you know you've worked in some big organizations and uh, typically you know every piece of tech is there to aid some part of the journey but typically as we know from a sales perspective sometimes tech isn't adopted in the right manner have you got any experiences where it's been there but it hasn't been used by sales teams in the right in the right manner not i mean when new things are launched yes it does take time to get adopted but eventually they do see the value in it and it gets adopted it's about changing that behavior at the end of the day right the more you make it easier to for that sales guys to say hey 
this is the insight into the buyer and you know with this you can have a much more fruitful conversation and if they've tried it a couple of times and it's it's worked they're more likely to adopt it if they've tried it and it's not work then you you know then they come you know give us feedback and you make changes and stuff to ensure that this is driving the results that you want so it's a behavioral change it's a behavioral change which sales and which is why back to my first point of the matic stack is not a solve all you have to have that linkage with sales and an agreement that they will adopt some of this otherwise it's likely not to work in the long run i mean again in some respects it's around what we were talking around with the digital transformation like it's a change management program and you can bring in a tool and you can bring in a fantastic technology but if it's not implemented in the right way and it's not adopted in the right way it's a white elephant it's a waste of you know it's that waste of time happening so there has to be that responsibility for embedding those new behaviors and importantly as you say showing the value and if we're talking around sort of sales adoption it's giving them that sort of understanding that marketing through those technologies can bring insights and information and data which means that they are in a much better position to actually perform their roles whether that's in how they sort of uh, position their outreach who they select and target when they are sort of outreaching as well but that sort of that information is absolutely the critical component absolutely and and translating that data into insights is what yeah. is mm-hmm. is critical and that's what the martech stack is supposed to do right translate those data into mm-hmm. insights for somebody to take action at the end of the day and um obviously it's great you know uh, the amount of data that's at the fingertips of marketers now is you know massive compared to what it was 10 years ago do you find that hampers your decision making as a senior marketer in any way shape or form not really i mean because i think at the end of the day you can slice and dice the data in different ways uh, to make it meaningful for you so the more data that you have so long as it's it's just not and a lot sometimes data is garbage in garbage out typically that's what it is but if you've got the relevant information flowing in and that's translating into you know actions that you can take that really that's what's going to help uh, move the needle in uh, some aspects so as, as a classic example one of the things that we've seen is you know we we see sales coming from a particular business unit by selling to line of businesses whereas the initial thought was hey we've got to sell the solution to the IT buyer but that's that's not what we're seeing on the ground in the market right and then you take that data that insights and you say okay what sort of programs do we then want to run to make that relevant to drive sales or support the business to drive pipeline sales etc so there's a lot of different ways you can slice and dice that data to make it work for you and, and make it meaningful at the end of the day and when you're taking that data back to the sales teams back to the business obviously you need to package it up in a way that you know hopefully will aid the success to the business wants to achieve have you found pushback or any reticence to kind of listen to you when you're showing the data to people to inform change not really i, I do recall in one of my previous organization when we looked at the data in terms of leads conversion to opportunities right the way the tool was or the way the data was stacked up was primarily saying inbound which means direct traffic coming to the website uh, you know people calling us directly was probably converting at 50 60% whereas digital leads which means you know where we've gone externally advertised on third party websites content syndication etc that conversion was somewhere you know under 5% So when we share that data with the business the question is how do i drive more of these inbound leads and that's a factor of multiple things right i mean which is why you can't look at marketing in silo 
it's multiple touch points, whether it's that those events, those offline events, whether it's the digital activities, it's a multiple things that will eventually lead to the person coming to the website. It just so happens that those last touch point is what will always have a, a higher conversion. The ones that, you know, come where you go and source those leads from third party, it will always be lower or an event or a third party event will always be lower. So we've, we've had, and the data throws up these different insights where, which is when the business comes and says, Hey, I want you to do more of this. But that's where the education comes about to say, this is not in isolation. It's a factor of multiple things. I may have gone to a trade show. A customer may have visited my booth. He may not have known about me at all, but he's come there. He's had a conversation with us and then he's gone back and he searched for information on our website. And then he's clicked contact me. And that's when, you know, it's, it's converted. So that's that the first source was actually offline rather than mm. digital, right? So, and sometimes it's difficult to bring that correlation about unless you've got a really robust MarTech stack. Yeah, I mean, but I think the future is omni omni channel market. So, absolutely, 100%. and I think it's also like it's amazing when you know, as you were talking there, like the and you you gave those percentages, which really do make the argument for demand generation versus lead generation. Yep. So just to put it into sort of like real terms, can you sort of give an example of where the data that you have got from the different technologies you used around the buyers and the conversion rates to win the argument with the board, for instance, about the strategy that you want to take or getting extra in investment? Are there any really sort of like great little anecdotes which shows the power of that in terms of making the argument? I'll have to think. But I, I think I already gave you, so it was, you know, in the previous company itself, if we were looking similar to this, we, we were running a campaign. And like I said, we were looking at the data and we were seeing that the leads were converting through the different sources much below 5% compared to yeah. inbound, right? And I remember the business at that point of time was not even looking at, forget pipeline, it was straight yeah. revenue. How much is marketing contributing to the revenue of my business? And one of the things that we started then doing is we started looking at this at an account level as well, because if you then start looking at it at an account level, your conversion rate is actually much higher. The other gap that we we realized was it was not only about these, you know, omni-channel marketing programs that we were running, but it was also about how the leads are getting followed up. What support does the, you know, the business development team, do they need in terms of assets, in terms of getting those insights into the customers? How can you enable them to have those conversations? So we looked at that through and through to ensure that whatever processes, et cetera, were broken, we would fix them. And I recall that that year, a year later, when we looked at the data, we grew the revenue contribution from marketing, we doubled it, it grew from like 7 to 14% in that single year itself. So that sort of then helped us to, you know, build that trust with sales to say, hey, marketing is, is definitely moving the needle for your business, but we've got to work in partnership, right? I mean, we're generating leads. If the sales is also not following up on those opportunities that have been created, you're not going to see that revenue contribution at all. So it's a, it's a hand in glove uh, relationship rather than you do your own stuff in silo. I do my own stuff in silo. Absolutely. And this obviously will segue nicely to the bridge between marketing and sales, uh, Rich. So. <laughs> well, tech and data in this yeah, instance. Yeah. Have you got any proactive, you know, examples of how you've proactively uh, had those conversations with sales and try to get them on board if they haven't been following up in the right way, et cetera? Yep. I mean, this, the, the last example that I give you, that's case in point where 
the conversation, like I said, was revenue, not even pipeline, right? And and that's where we would go back and say, hey, these are the the opportunities that have been generated and f- float that with the relevant sales leadership team so that they've got visibility in it because they at the leadership level, you probably don't go, go down at the opportunity level, right? You speak to your sales managers to get that insight, but floating that up to say, this is it. This These marketing source pipeline has been stuck in the sales stage for over 60 days, 80 days, 90 days. And if, if it doesn't progress, it's unlikely to close. So what is it that you guys are doing to drive it and how can we enable you or support you to drive some workshops or whatever to progress that? Mm-hmm. So those are the kind of conversations which we always tend to have with sales, you know, sharing those opportunities and and bringing that to their notice that, hey, these are the opportunities that have been generated. And when you and you just said there, it's like you, you're almost posing that question, you know, how can we help you, you know, whether it's happened through workshops or whatever. Uh, yeah, are there any sort of great, great examples of where you have posed that question and sales have said, yeah, actually, we do need this, that and help. And you've been able to either help just by on a strategic level, help by using the the data and the insights that you have from MarTech to, to unlock those final opportunities? Yes, we have. What we typically do is, like I said, we look at these opportunities which are in the lower sales stage because we know, you know different organizations have different numbering. So assuming sales stage one to three are really early stage opportunity. What we've typically done in the past is, you know, looked at those, what is that volume of those opportunities that are there? And we've run programs in a programmatic manner to help, so we've said, okay, if the if the customer has the opportunity has been created, it's within still a sixty day time frame. They've probably you know watched a, a demo, etc. And using those insights, mm-hmm. we would bring them in for a hands on workshop to understand to see how to use our solution and you know target those particular opportunities because they've already had a need. And then we've seen the needle moved. But having said that, I think one of the biggest one of the other challenges, and I haven't seen it in any organization yet, is you know, tra- tracking how marketing helps move the opportunity from one sales stage to another, yes. that stack is missing. It's not available, right? I mean, I we can see opportunity created and closed from marketing sourced opportunity, but how have you help move that needle that sort of data i haven't seen i I think you've you've touched on something really really important there in terms of there's a traditional way of looking at things which is a a waterfall that marketing have responsibility up to this point and then it's over to you sales do your best whereas that's just not the way that like a buyer actually sort of makes a decision now that sales might have some initial involvement but then actually there needs to be so much work done from a sort of a marketing the sort of approach to actually move them onto that stage. So I think it's really, really interesting to make sure that people think about it in that sort of more collaborative term. Absolutely. And to have that technology would be yeah, and, and also, And I also think, I mean, this technology is available today, but it's something to get sales to, you know, buy into, buy into it. Just you're talking about the full funnel, right? A lead comes in, it's at some stage that you think, okay, maybe they're interested. The sales rep calls up, follows up. He says, hey, I don't have a requirement right now. The lead is retired. So it's, it's out of your system. It's no longer considered. It's closed, right? It's closed with no requirement at the moment. Two months later, that particular contact reaches out to the sales directly, say, I, hey, I have this issue, this requirement. Sales creates that opportunity. Now, what has happened is the funnel is broken in the sense that there is no linkage from leads to uh, SAL to SQL to opportunity creation. Yeah. Sales has created. Is that a marketing source lead? Actually, it is, right? Because marketing did drive some touches with that particular contact. 
when you start looking at that data in that manner, you will, and typically marketing is supposed to drive 30%, 20 to 30% in the B2B tech world, typically it's between 20 to 30% or 15 to 30% of the overall business pipeline, uh, source pipeline from marketing. But when you start looking at that other data of, you know, where the, the broken linkages is, you will start seeing that number going phenomenally much higher to 60, 70%. So one of the other data points that we tend to look at, it can be called marketing touched, marketing influence. There are different terminologies depending on which organization you are in. It's basically net new opportunities created by sales that have had a marketing touch maybe in the last three months or six months. And you can really, and that data is easily available today. Now, and ideally, if you add that to the pure, you know, the funnel from lead to SAL to SQL to opportunity, that may be 20% or 30%. But if you add in this layer, that number goes up significantly. So it's, it's so th that part of it I've seen in the past, sales have been reluctant to accept that that's, that's considered, oh, but sales has created it. Sure, but there was some marketing touch, right? That it cannot always be is A is equal to B is equal to C. There will be... Grey area. Absolutely. You've got loads of marketers listening to this now, nodding their heads, right? I'm sure. And unfortunately, there is no silver bullet at the moment, but maybe uh, the, the tech gods are, are listening. Uh, and, but but uh, that, this, this, this stack <laughs> is available. It's definitely right. available. I've used it in previous organizations, you know, to look at that. Just, and I do remember having those conversations with sales to say, I'm not talking about existing pipeline that marketing has touched. I'm talking about new pipeline created within three months or six yeah. months of a marketing touch. Very different metrics. I think it's almost, it's like the, it's not that necessarily the technology needs to be solved. It's actually the definitions around what counts as fundamentally, you know, why it seems arbitrary that we would have a cutoff, you know, because it happened three months ago, because actually that informing them of the problem that they need to solve gaining that sort of like awareness and then credibility of of the brand is vital to teeing up sales and giving that platform so but I, I think this actually goes back to the relationship between sales and marketing right because there's going to be a degree of reluctance for sales to acknowledge this if the relationship's not quite there agreed that will always be the case but i think as we go along and please i have seen that the shift with sales as well that they are starting to recognize marketing as partners in this, uh, you know, entire relationship. Um, in fact, this this morning we were on a call with um, one of the stakeholder sales leader, and we're just showing the data in terms of you know how much of pipeline that was generated in Q1. And sales was like, "Hey, can you share with us the list of these opportunities? Because I want to ensure that my team is working on it." And this is the sales leader saying that. So that recognition is happening, and as we move along, we're going to see much more and more of that. To you know, that, that collaboration between sales and marketing, really. Do you think that what's aided that relationship is obviously not just tech, it's also the fact that there are more stakeholders in decision-making processes now? Like, presumably, you know, sales can't get across each of these stakeholders, right? So it's much easier now for marketing to show their value because of the evolution of the buying process. That I, and I also think... One of the, the terminology that I like using in B2B marketing is, you know, we keep we typically say demand generation. I like using the term revenue marketing. Um, once we're able to start demonstrating how has this pipeline contributed to revenue for your business, that's when the shift really starts at the end of the day. And the more you start having that conversation to say, okay, I generated X million of dollar and out of your total business that's closed this quarter, 
10% or 15% of whatever has actually started coming from marketing sourced pipeline, that suddenly shifts the conversation completely because you are showing them the impact that you're driving for their business rather than just you're pipeline talking, and stuff. You're talking and you're in talking the terms their language of the business. So we've spoken about this in in other podcasts. Um, in fact, it came up in Ornia's one, the the CMO of Mercer. In that, you know, the, when you start having a conversation, like you say, in their language, talking in revenue terms things just get a little bit more aligned and understood. And she made a very interesting point, I thought, in in the last meeting where she spoke about, as a marketer, you can talk about engagements, click-throughs, but you get one opportunity to do that to the business. Because if you do that in one quarter, the subsequent quarter, the business is going to go, how did those views, clicks, leads turn into hard revenue? Whereas if you flip it on its head and talk revenue first, you actually give yourself a little bit more proving room. No, and, and I've, I've seen the conversation shift when you start talking revenue, because at the end of the day, sales is responsible for, they look at, they look towards marketing to drive, create that brand awareness, you know, support with the pipeline generation. But at the end of the day, sales get paid only if they close those deals. Mm-hmm. So that's very critical for them. So when you start showing the value you've added as part of, you know, supporting them and closing those deals, that's when, you know, marketing tends to get that. Uh, seat at the at the board, uh, which is something that I think all marketers you know wonder how do you how do you get that seat at the board? And I've I've seen that changing dramatically over the last uh, few years, really. Well, that's good. I wrote a book on it. So that's good. <laughs> and this is an interesting, but and I'm I think I'm going to be a bit provocative now. So feel free to bat me away and say don't be silly. But in terms of that, when you spoke about sales getting paid on revenue. Traditionally, obviously, the sales roles have been high risk, high reward in businesses. And in some instances, marketers have been a little bit shy to almost, you know, put their job or put, you know, their responsibility on the line. In your opinion, should marketers be paid on the revenue generation or the bottom line of the business akin to the way sales are? So I guess uh, I would say it depends and yes and no to that. The no part of it is simply because at the end of the day, you generate an opportunity, you pass it to the sales. If the sales is not work, if the sales has 15 opportunities and decides to prioritize the five and those balance 10 are from marketing, there's nothing that you can do, right? So Well, apart from build your relationships with them. So yes, apart from building relationships, which assuming uh, you have that. But having said that, it's not marketing that creates those opportunities. It's a business development team that creates the opportunity. Now, those team, and I have seen the evolution with, with the business development team in previous organizations, right? Where initially they were gold only on pipeline creation, but then they've, they've as we go along, there have been multiple metrics which have come into a place where they're gold not only on pipeline, but also revenue. So they are on the hook to ensure that they're driving quality pipeline through, you know, marketing source leads. It's actually multiple layers, um, depending on how big the organization is. Either the leads go directly to sales or it goes to a business development team whose role is to convert that into opportunity. In larger organizations, we, you know, we tend to pass those leads to that business development team who's doing those cold calls, using marketing insights and data to create those opportunities at the end of the day. Marketing is physically not creating those opportunities. 
no, but it has a significant role to play. Absolutely. In it. Material, material role to Absolutely. play. Absolutely. And we then talk about all being on the same team and trying to kind of, you know, row in the same direction. It's a topic that causes a bit of debate and I can oh, completely well, understand. I, and I'd like to, I mean, I'd, I'd like to ask a more, more provocative question. I mean, I think that, you know, Rich actually was quite sort of gentle in terms of should marketers be targeted on, on revenue? But I've got a question in terms of, we've talked about that material contribution that marketing made. We're getting a better understanding of being able to quantify that as well. Um, but also there are always going to be aspects where marketing is making that material contribution that can't be quantified. Because even once the salesperson is in conversations, they are still relying on marketing either to be giving them data, to be giving them content. So Designing my question workshops, is, etc. do you feel that in relation to marketing, sales is still overvalued within most companies. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I think as you evolve and depending, honestly, it really depends on the organization. Yeah. As I've moved organization, I have seen the relationship between sales and marketing being equally important. Mm. You can't, one can't do without the others. In traditional organizations, yes, that's the, you know, that is the case. Sales is valued over marketing. But as the organization, you know, as you have leaders who understand the value of marketing, that doesn't really happen. It's it you work hand in glove to make uh, to ensure that you're driving those outcomes yeah. for the business. That's a very a very diplomatic answer. <laughs> I was, I, <laughs> but, but I, was hope, I was hoping you were going to say absolutely. You know, typically, even if we have a really good year, we're both working really really hard, but sales will get paid one point five times what a marketer gets paid. But that's so. also because they like like you said, high risk, high uh, returns, right? Yeah, yeah. For sales. I mean marketing is not willing to take those, yeah. you know, the high risk, high return at the end of the day. So and un un until and unless we want to do that. And very and again successfully responded in a very diplomatic manner. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that that's an interesting point, right? Because, you know, there are degrees of risk and there are degrees of reward. You know, coming from a more commercial background, I think that Personally, I thrived on the risk side of things, but that's just because of the type of individual maybe I am and my underlying traits. But the one thing I would say in answer to your question, Benny, from, from my perspective, is I think that actually, rather than talking about sales being overvalued, we always come back to the idea that marketing potentially are undervalued within organisations. And that goes back to Comal's point around the importance of having a leadership that understand and recognize the value that marketing plays within an organization to achieve. And that's where targets. the shift comes where marketing needs to start talking about not just pipeline, but impact to revenue. One, the second thing, which especially again in the, in the B2B tech world that marketing tends to stop at. So even if we do revenue, we don't look at post purchase, you know, how do we drive that adoption and that renewal at the end of the day? Because if customers are not renewing, how can you upsell and cross-sell to them, right? So that is a huge scope of work that marketing needs to start looking at. And, and we are doing it out here at, uh, at ServiceNow to start looking at those aspects and bringing that into the fold of end-to-end -end marketing really at the end of the day. Absolutely. Well, I think it's, it's looking at, I think a lot of marketers are, are doing that naturally, but it's also that important quantification. So you can be attributing the contribution that they are making to Absolutely. a revenue perspective in terms of renewing. That is always a bit of a bugbear is when somebody phones up and says, yes, I'd like to do it again. And then sales might get commission on the back of that. And there are other factors in, uh, involved in that. But this is comes back to the conversation we've had on many a previous podcast. Revenue is one thing, 
sustainable revenue is another. Now, sustainable revenue is advocacy, but also loyalty, right? So how do we ensure that we are making sure that we're getting the most loyal customers we can? And I do agree, you know, both sales and marketing can be playing more pivotal roles in that. You know, we use, when you and I spoke, we use the example of certain TV broadcasting companies from a consumer point of view that they don't really care about you once you're on their books and it's all about the new customer offers, the new customer offers. And typically, you know, in B2B, there's still a focus on new customer acquisition over and above retention and growth, which needs to be a, you know, a crucial factor because, you know, the world isn't getting, you know, more and more uh, potential buyers, but it is getting more and more solution parts. Absolutely. And I think to your point, that's one of the things that, um, you know, companies are starting to look at as well as we go ahead to say, okay, this is my existing pool of buyers and I've, and they've bought one solution for me. We've got another 15 solution as an example to sell. Do I go after new customers for the 15 solutions where I don't know anything about that? They don't have a relationship or do I look at targeting these, um, you know, these thousands of existing customers that I've had? that we've already have had a relationship. They're happy with us because they've they've been renewing and it's easier to get a foot into the door rather than building. A, and But that does not mean to say that you will not go after those new logo customers. Absolutely you not. still have to, but then there's a priority in terms of what is your, your go-to-market strategy? How much of effort are you going to put in new versus existing really at the end of the day. Absolutely. And this comes back full circle to the point you mentioned earlier about looking at the account level. If there's a piece of tech that's looking at the account level, that doesn't stop once you sold to the account. It looks at what that account is doing with you as a business and how the team can go across that account Even within the account, you may have sold your solution to one department. Your solution can perhaps be adopted by multiple departments. So how do you penetrate within that account, like banks have multiple different departments, as an example. How do you sell to multiple different lines of businesses within a bank, different departments to adopt your solution? So within that same organization, you can, you know, you, you have multiple buying centers as well. Absolutely. And look, I mean, in term, ultimately, and we, we all know this, that the, the cost of acquisition is much higher Absolutely. than the cost of retention and cross-selling. And I think the other sort of mistake that potentially is still made is that we think of a customer journey stopping at the point of purchase and the customer journey continues right through use and then also to potential re- repurchase uh, repurchase Adoption as well. renewals. And that's where you've got to think about things in a much more integrated way. And you think about all of the multiple touch points, which are not just the responsibility of sales and marketing at all. You know, there is customer success. You actually have product, which is obviously one of the main sort of touch points. And the sooner that you can actually sort of put together a customer journey which covers all of the touch points, the m- it's so much easier to be more effective at driving the outcomes you want, such as retention, such as... Absolutely. And and we need to start looking at this end-to-end rather than just stopping at, I've generated the pipeline, my job is done. Absolutely. Or I've converted, this pipeline has converted to revenue. Or I've helped with the progression, my job is done. Or we've closed the deal, my job is done. There is still multiple, last the last two miles that from a marketing perspective, you know, we can definitely play a significant role going forward. Or that it's a relay race and actually it's never Absolutely. finished. Yeah. And, and you're right, it's actually a relay race. It's yeah. never finished because you need to keep that customer happy constantly, right? I mean, to your point in terms of uh, these uh, TV, you know, the, 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 the on-demand TV. I don't know if we can name TV, them. I, I, I might get fine. slandered. Um, you know, if, <laughs> if the content is, there are times that um, the OTT platforms, there are times that I'm on it and I'm like, 
there's absolutely nothing that I want to watch. You know, and although there's 500 probably options, but none of them work for me. And I'm like, okay, let me check what the other provider has. So you tend to switch Oh, and that's where that, that, you know, ensuring that the content that's there is relevant for me or, um, you know, I have something that I want to keep going back yeah. to that platform. There's definitely a even bigger conversation I would love maybe one other day to have, which is around, you know, when we spoke about the sales, once you win a new account and the multiple different areas within that account, how do you slow sales down? If you win a new account, how do you stop everyone just trying to go after different stakeholders within that business and think strategically from a marketing perspective about approaching it in a bit more of a tailored so I, I manner? Think, I, th- I think two things, right? I mean, one is once the deal is closed the, to the point that we were talking about is adoption. If the customer has not adopted the solution and is not using it, going back to selling something more, they're, they're going to say, hey, you know, we've not used this yet. We don't know how your your solution works. Let's hold on, right? So what, so that customer success piece that we already spoke about is is important. But I think as we go along, one you know one of the things that you and I spoke about was marketing at scale versus ABM. To me, ABM is this is the explanation we tend to give at service now. ABM is fishing with a spear, and marketing at scale is basically you know casting a net, fishing with the net where you collect everything. So with ABM, what you're able to do, and if it's a strategic account, a large account, what we tend to do when it comes to ABM is to understand the customer's point of view. What are the pain points that they are trying to solve? Rather than saying, I want to sell this solution, what is the challenges that the customer has? And those insights, you obviously get it from the sales team. And you build that account plan, understanding this is the solution that we should go, or this is what we should be positioning for the account because this addresses their pain point leading with these solutions rather than I want to sell this product per se. So you sort of flip uh, the story around and it you can't do ABM for every account. You would need, you know, a lot number of marketeers to be able to do that. But you basically look at it from a revenue standpoint. You know, what is the potential of these accounts? What sort of revenue? And different organizations could be different, right? You can, some organization for them, a large revenue is 100K. Some may say 500, some may be million or 10 million really. So you look at the account potential and those accounts then get a really targeted ABM strategy. And then the other falls under marketing at scale. Now, marketing at scale is typically mistaken for, I'm going to reach, you know, go into the ocean and cast (laughs) that wide net, right? But you could go to a small pond as well and cast that net and still get those, those fishes. And for us, marketing at scale is being very targeted. It's identifying those accounts and it could be as small as, you know, thousand accounts across the region that we think are more likely, it could be our existing customers that we want to upsell our solution to. So it's it's a finite number um, and it's not into tens of thousands that we then look at targeting and uh, going after these accounts. And even when it comes to new logo, I remember back in, in APJ when, when I ran the new logo program, it was a finite list of new logo numbers. It was not, I'm just going to cast my uh, net. We based on these, on the data and insights, we said, okay, these are must win new logos. These are priority new logos. Yes, over and above this, there are thousands of other new logos, but we're going to focus our campaign on these two categories, which is a smaller number and look at driving outcomes with them. Yeah, it's been a, a real pleasure. Thank you very yeah, much. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you so much. B2B Marketing Solved is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more about us, head to allen-agency.com and make sure to search for Marketing Solved in Apple Podcasts 
Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. Don't forget to click subscribe so you don't miss any future golden nuggets from the biggest names in B2B marketing. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.